Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today, this is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hest. Welcome to the latest episode of Trojans Wired, the podcast, which is an in-house production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. We've arrived at episode five in our 12-part summer series, The Riley Files, a deep dive into the, the career of Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma insider Keegan Renaud is back with us to continue this exploration of USC's new head coach, we're not looking too much into the future. We'll do that in some of our late, our, our upcoming episodes, but this is mostly about getting a read on the man and the head coach from his days at Oklahoma. So in this fifth episode, we focus on the tumultuous 2021 season. And obviously, you know, we go to the move to the SEC, Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. That news came in late July. And so much speculation, so much behind-the-scenes chatter about how much that affected Lincoln Riley's decision to go to USC, and also how intellectually and emotionally and holistically invested he was in the 2021 Oklahoma football season once that big bombshell dropped. So Keegan, you know, so so much speculation, and obviously we we have a, you alluded to this in a previous episode of this series that you don't have ironclad facts, but certainly a lot of things that we can explore in terms of why the 2021 Oklahoma team didn't fully mesh, why it didn't come together the way many people expected it to or hoped it to. So where do you start in terms of this wide-ranging exploration? What, what's your, what are your first thoughts in terms of why the 2021 season evolved the way it did at the University of Oklahoma? Something felt off from the, from the very beginning. It, it was just... It was way the the way fall camp. Don't get me wrong, uh, as, as Matt knows and everybody. I well, you guys will probably soon to find out eventually. Uh, Lincoln Riley is very closed doors when it comes to what information gets in, what information gets out, and it was even tighter last year in the off season and during fall camp. There wasn't a ton of people talking about how practices were going, uh, this and that. And so it felt off from the get go. And as it, you know, things got going, you start to hear, you know, more and more, the quarterbacks don't get along the, you know, the defense isn't trusting the, the players aren't trusting the defense they're running. Like there's a, there's just, there's so much that it, something was just off Matt. And I, I can't to this day, put my finger on when or where I have, you know, you could, I was told that there was a, after the sec deal was announced 
that there was a contract extension ready for Lincoln and, and Oklahoma to agree to that left unsigned, right? And and you're and I neck of the woods, Matt, and Ian's as well. Listen to this. That 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 sends some alarm bells off in your head. Okay, something something something's not right. Something something's off. There's something weird going on, and it felt that way. And then the results, right, reflected that. And it was just weird. It was just a weird preseason, a weird first game, a weird game against Nebraska. The Kansas State game, it felt like they finally got their mojo back. And I think a lot of people even nationally felt that way about Oklahoma at that point. And then the Texas game happened, right, which ended up being one of the greatest OU-Texas games in the history of the series, uh, up matching what they were able to do in 2020. But things just felt off. I, I, I can't don't have any facts behind it or why it felt it it felt that way but I'm not the only person that in the media or behind the scenes that said that and so it's it's just interesting and I I I can't put my finger on the, the reasons why but it it for an Oklahoma program it just felt off yeah so you know the way Lincoln Riley left OU in late November it was messy and so it obviously invites that the conversation that, you know, the, the relationship with Joe Castiglione, the athletic director, you know, it became at least somewhat fragmented, you know, that that relationship eroded. Um, you know, when you look at uh, the rumors about, you know, how Oklahoma's uh, was policing its program internally and Lincoln Riley, you know, uh, might have felt a little bit handcuffed, a little bit restrained, you know, not being not feeling that he was fully empowered to do everything that he wanted to do. How would you balance that whole realm of speculation against the idea that he didn't want to compete in the SEC against Saban, against Kirby, against Jimbo? How, how would you balance those two big uh, collections of speculative thought in terms of assessing why Lincoln Riley ultimately left OU for USC? The idea that Lincoln Riley was scared of the SEC, like, I don't think that's right. I think that's the wrong narrative. The perspective, at least that I have, is that he was scared to fail in the SEC. And Matt, I, I, I look back at the very beginning of his press conference. He mentioned alignment with USC and the administration and athletic department. And he mentioned resources a hell of a lot in the first 10 to 15 minutes of his initial press conferences. And I think that whenever you Lincoln's very smart. He's going to tell you exactly what's going on if you listen to him, right? Unless he straight up lies, which happens. Um, the the thing that is so interesting, that dynamic about being scared, I think Lincoln felt that Oklahoma, in terms of resources available to, to him and the football program, wasn't competitive enough in the SEC with the Alabamas and the Georgias and the A&Ms of the world. And that put him in a position starting off behind his competition. And any good businessman or any good entrepreneur is not going to put themselves in a situation where they feel like they're going to fail. And I think Lincoln sort of felt that way, that if I'm not going to get this building. I'm not going to get this amount of staff. I'm not going to get 
these amount of trainers or nutritional staff, if I'm not going to get all the things that Alabama has and that Georgia has and that A&M has, Tennessee, I think you could be included in that conversation. Florida, I think, could be included in that conversation. If I can't have that, then we're behind. And I think that perspective of Lincoln is kind of going unnoticed a bit because, Matt, that to me, that tells me that Oklahoma failed in giving Lincoln the confidence that they had the resources and they all the things we talked about at the very beginning of this series, right, with Brent Venables and donors and boosters, and you look at the staff, that the bigger staff that Venables got. Oklahoma had these things. They were ready to do it. Were they ready to do it Lincoln Riley's way? And I think that's the conversation that we end up having here is that Oklahoma, for some reason, felt maybe reserved to give their golden boy everything that he wanted, and Lincoln Riley needed the trust and the confidence from his bosses, more specifically Joe Castiglione, that he had everything ready and able for him to use to be able to take down and dethrone Nick Saban in Alabama and take down Kirby Smart. I don't think Oklahoma is scared of Texas A&M, Matt. Um, But the conversation, I think, is along the lines of Lincoln Riley was not scared to compete in the SEC. I I know that about him as a person. I I feel confident in saying that. But I do think he was a little bit scared to fail. And those are two completely different perspectives. Well, wow. I mean, you know, your your insight is is really explosive, uh, not not controversial, but explosive just in the sense that I mean, I think it creates a very clear read of the situation. That I don't think many people nationally or at USC really have understood about why Lincoln Riley you know, was willing to leave OU for USC. And that is that if he, if Lincoln Riley was indeed uh, you know, of the opinion privately, internally, that he wasn't getting full investment, full buy-in from Oklahoma in terms of, you know, you mentioned in a previous episode that strength and conditioning was a concern and why the, the offensive line did not continue to develop uh, in a positive way in 2020 and 2021. If Lincoln Riley felt he wasn't getting the full investment, the full backing of everyone at OU, then naturally, if OU is going to go to the SEC and then won't pony up, you know, put all its poker chips on the table and go all in in its financial and and logistical support, well, that seems to be a very natural, honest, and and actually pretty reasonable response by Lincoln Riley to go to USC where he knows he's going to get the full investment. So, with that, with all of that in mind, Keegan, I mean, it seems almost certain that he had a conversation with Joe Castiglione, you know, after the move to the SEC, and he he almost certainly asked him, "Okay, you're moving to the SEC. Am I now going to get full buy-in?" He must have been told no, and and a conversation of that nature must have happened at some point. I mean, do do you feel pretty confident in saying that kind of conversation a happened and b unfolded the way it did? You're trying to get me in trouble with the Oklahoma Mafia, man. <laughs> man, it had to, right? And it's so, it's such a compelling story. We will never know, yeah. right? Lincoln, Lincoln, as I said, I kicked yep. this whole, this whole, this episode, this, this one right here. I kicked it off saying Lincoln Riley. I tweeted this, man. If you remember, 
during his press conference. Lincoln told us every reason why he left Oklahoma in the first 10 minutes of that press conference without actually saying it. Yeah. He mentioned alignment multiple times. He mentioned resources multiple times um, in his press conference, kind of throwing some shots, right? But what's so funny, Matt, is I also tweeted that the Oklahoma fan base, after that happened, that the Oklahoma fan base should be thankful for Lincoln because the next head coach is going to get everything that Lincoln Riley wasn't going to get. And guess what, Matt? Yes. Oklahoma is spending money on their football renovations, their staff, their nutrition. All of a sudden, they have all these things. Again, let's look at this, right? I, I would it have would it have happened? I, I can say this confidently. If you want me to say something, I feel that's a fact. Oklahoma, when that final right? That final conversation that Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, and it probably was through his agent, right? Oklahoma was ready to say yes. They had ponied up all the money and all the resources to say yes. But I think it was too long down the road at that point yes, to go in a different direction. And with that being said, again, it's just it is funny from our view, right? We're on the outside looking in. I know this impacts families and the way that in it, the way that Lincoln Riley and the situation that happened and the assistance under Lincoln, right? It's, it's horrible, right? People shouldn't be put in those situations, but it is just the power dynamic we have in college football, Matt, where a, a university and the leadership in a university kind of has to recruit their own head coaches these days. Right. And you know, it's, it's so interesting. It's so compelling. Um, it, it's just, it is funny that to me that right when they hired Brent Venables, Oh, look now that war chest that the donors have had for all this time. Oh, now it's being spent, right? Oh, now we're getting this commitment. Now they're getting this buy-in, uh, oil and gas being uh, where it's at will certainly help uh, that situation in the state of Oklahoma by absolutely. Um, but it's, it's it's a very compelling conversation to have. And yeah, at some point, I, I mean, I feel confident in saying, yeah, Lincoln Riley was told no on something. Matt, I don't know if it was resources. I don't know if it was those on pay. I don't know if it was his staff pool. I don't think it was those things. I think all of those things were signed off on. There's other finer details of the workings with the University of Oklahoma that I think Lincoln Riley wanted to have answers for, and he never got those answers. So we have to circle back to Bob Stoops. And we talked a little bit about Stoops in our the first episode of this 12-part series. But this, this invites at least one circle back question about Stoops. You know, as you are well aware of, Keegan, that part of the, the glory and the genius of Oklahoma football, why this program has been so phenomenally successful for such a long time over the course of many decades is that OU has been able to find the Wonder Boy head coach, the coach younger than 40 years old, Bud Wilkinson, Barry Switzer, Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley was the latest in that series of coaches hired by OU when under 40 years old and you know, had the magic touch, you know, had the highest level of success. So Lincoln Riley's no fool. He knows he was part of that very special lineage, that line of succession at Oklahoma. So when, when he was hired, I'm sure that there was a part of Lincoln Riley I mean, when he was hired as head coach, 
in 2017, uh, there was a part of Lincoln Riley that knew, hey, I'm, I'm taking the torch as part of this special tradition at Oklahoma. And I'm sure that Bob Stoops uh, expected Lincoln Riley to be the coach at OU for 15 years or so, just as Stoops was, just as Barry Switzer was, just as Bud Wilkinson was. So when we, when we examine why this broke down, I'm sure that you know, that awareness of Oklahoma's special history probably contribute to a sense of not necessarily betrayal, but certainly hurt on both sides of this, from Bob Stoops' side that Lincoln Riley didn't stay at all, but also from Lincoln Riley's side that, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm the next golden boy coach, part of this Oklahoma tradition. Why am I not getting full buy-in? So I think you know Bob Stoops, I can certainly see him feeling hurt and betrayed it in a unique way. And I can also see it from Lincoln Riley's side. What do you make of that larger uh, tension point with the deep historical roots in Norman? It's certainly interesting. That is a a relationship that I think that we've even heard to this day, Matt. Like they've had multiple conversations since Lincoln had left. And what's so funny, Matt, and if you reports from, you know, Kerry Murdoch of Soonerscoop.com, the most prominent uh, beat writer, I think, covering Oklahoma football outside of Barry Trammell in this market, said that of those, those final meetings between Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, guess who was a part of them? Bob Stoops. And um, I do think that there is some, some stuff there in terms of, you know, Bob handed it to Lincoln. I think Lincoln wanted to make Oklahoma his own. Right. But that's also, you're talking to an Oklahoman here, right? You're talking to a person that has grown up listening to my aunts and uncles and my dad and my grandparents and probably their grandparents told them the same thing, uh, about Bud and, um, um, Benny Owen and Bud and all those guys. Right. And, you know, Bob has made it very clear, like the Oklahoma program has never been about Bob. And I truly feel that way. Right. Like I, I don't feel like Brent is taking over Bob's program. I don't feel like Lincoln was taking over Bob's program. I think those guys were given um, the right to be the head coach at the university of Oklahoma. And you have a standard uh, to fulfill and, and and uphold. And right. And that's, that's how these people think and that's how they operate. And maybe that's a little bit different from how Lincoln Riley jocked. Right. I think maybe that's a little bit different than how, you know, Lincoln Riley perceived it. He perceived that this is my job. This is my football program. Um, it's not, it's, it, it's Oklahoma, you know, it's not just Oklahoma's. And um, to me, like that is the wrong way to look at it. Cause you know, I, I always say this, like the state of Oklahoma, I always see it as a place of opportunity. Um, you could, he, he get, you could be the head coach of the University of Oklahoma as long. You, you don't get fired unless you're bad. And Lincoln Riley was certainly not bad. Um, he was going to get an ample amount of time to, to be able to put a national championship up. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, from my end, I definitely think Lincoln had a different perspective of the, of the, you know, the, the office he had and the role he had and sitting at the end of the table. Um, that's a little bit different than how Brent Venables operates as, as Bob operated. And you go back to Switzer and those guys as well. Um, it was always about Oklahoma and, you know, Oklahoma is a job that if you put in Oklahoma is a job, Oklahoma is a place, Oklahoma is a fan base that if you put the work in, you are going to yield the results. And, you know, I think that that is probably the one thing that 
I struggle with from Lincoln's perspective, Matt, that he wasn't given everything. It's like, man, how much more do you want? Right? Like that comes to my head at times when thinking about this conversation. I have to follow up one more uh, with one more question about Bob Stoops and specifically on the point you made that in the final negotiations with Oklahoma before he moved to USC, that Bob Stoops was at the table. Based on your your awareness of the situation from all the other people you've talked to in and around the Oklahoma program, do you think that, you know, Bob Stoops taking like a middle ground position, you know, assuming that he did, you know, trying to be kind of in the middle between the Oklahoma administration and Lincoln Riley, do you think, A, do you think that was in fact the case, that that was like the nature or the tenor of those conversations? And B, if, if that was true, do you think that Lincoln Riley perceived that as Bob Stoops not having his back as much as he thought, as much as Lincoln Riley thought he, he, he deserved and that, that was a factor in pushing him out the door to USC. Yeah, I think Bob's, Bob's role is, is certainly so interesting in this, right, Matt? Because you, you would know this a lot better than I and remember it a lot better than I, but I mean, Bob kind of held Oklahoma hostage as well with Florida back in the day, right? If you're, if you're looking for the non-Oklahoma fan perspective, right? Like the outside national perspective was that Bob was really contemplating taking that Florida job. Um, You know, you kind of look back at it. It was sort of the same thing. Oklahoma was having a lot of success. The Florida job opened up. The Florida has a ton of resources. And that's as a, if you're looking from an agent perspective, Matt, like that's a great situation. If you have things that you want to get done, that's called leverage. And, you know, that's, I think Bob came from an interesting perspective in there. Um, I would say this, Matt, to kind of wrap this whole thing up. I think Oklahoma said a lot of stuff. I think Lincoln Riley said a lot of stuff. And I think Lincoln Riley sort of put his hand on the table. Um, and Oklahoma and Joe Castiglione in Oklahoma called his bluff. And Lincoln won the hand. Lincoln was right. And Lincoln left. And that's kind of how uh, things really ended there at the end. I don't think Joe Castiglione ever thought Lincoln was actually leaving. I truly believe that. Um, and it kind of is one of those situations, right, Matt? When you're in the, when you're in the Oklahoma Mafia, uh, if you want to play a game of cards with Joe Castiglione, um, Joe Castiglione is going to play his hand how he thinks it needs to be played. And he lost that hand, right? And Lincoln leaves and goes to USC. Now they have Brent Venables, and we'll see how things play out. A very compelling episode, uh, the fifth in our 12-part series on the Riley Files, a deep dive into the career of Lincoln Riley. Keegan Renault, as always, our Oklahoma insider, taking us through this very special journey before Lincoln Riley's first season as head coach at USC. Uh, in our sixth episode coming up, we simply look at the best and worst things uh, that Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma, kind of setting the table as our conversation on Lincoln Riley moves forward. So thank you for listening to episode five of our 12-part series on the Riley Files. Stay tuned for episode six here at Trojans Wired.